post-draft edition. We're obviously missing our buddy Todd McShay. We're wishing you the best, Todd. But I still got Mel Kuyper here, Mel. Made it through the draft. Still at home. I think I think low-key it was one of your favorite drafts for that reason, but I, I won't put words in your mouth. But uh, we are going to go through Mel's most underrated picks for all 32 teams. You've read his grades. A gazillion of you read those grades. You've seen him do Sports Center specials. I want to I, I want to just pick out a pick for each team, Mel, that maybe is maybe is going to be better than people think. It's going to fly a little bit under the radar. We're going to go division by division. We'll start in the East with our old favorite, the New England Patriots. Give me an underrated pick for the Patriots this year, Kuiper. Underrated pick for the Patriots would probably be Michael Onwenu, the guard for Michigan, who really I thought played well. I thought you know when you look at Ben Bredesen, got more publicity. On when it was arguably as good, if not better, at times. And I think he would be for the sixth round, 182nd pick for an offensive line. He also had a Justin Heron. But on when from Michigan, I think, is a guy uh, of the later round picks that I would keep a close eye on. He, I don't know if he can be a starter, but he'll be a really good backup. And if he's forced in there, I think he can more than hold his own. Uh, this kid, I thought, had some really good tape. Uh, the three games I watched him in, and uh, I thought he might even go in the fourth round. So I, at the worst fifth, he went in the sixth. Like I say, pick 182. So I'll go uh, the guard from Michigan in round six to New England. I'll tell you what, Mel, Dante Skarnicki obviously retired. And maybe their guards are arguably the strength of this team, but with Joe Thune's future up in the air there, Shaq Mason's obviously a great player. I mean, you know, when the strength of your team and you don't necessarily know who your great backup is, can it can really quickly become a liability the second somebody gets down. So I, th- I think you're right there. They've, they've made a lot of hay with mid and later round picks on that offensive line for years. So it clearly wouldn't surprise me to see, uh, see them pull this off. But yep. uh, well, one follow-up though, Mel, what do you think about Anthony Jennings? I, I don't think the Rob Ninkovich comp is, is perfect, but He's a smart, stay-at-home edge defender. It seems like that could be a guy that really thrives under Belichick. Yeah, I think he will. And I think, obviously, this connection with Belichick and Saban, every year you see an Alabama player come into the fold, it seems like. And, you know, Jenny, he's that smart. He's very instinctive. He plays within the scheme very well. And that's why you see him a lot of times not necessarily disrupting every play. That's not his role in every play. The role he, he diagnoses screen passes. You can see him sift through trash and get to the ball carrier. He's a very slippery player, very smart player, and uh, whatever he's asked to do within the framework of that defense, he did. So he wasn't always flashy uh, when he needed to be, and when he needed to get a sack, he could. Uh, but he's an all-around player who was a really good third-round pick for New England. All right, Mel, we're going to go in order of standings. So there, there we have it. Off 2019, the Buffalo Bills are the second team from the East we're going to hit. Um, made some made some notable picks, and certainly uh, some guys you've talked about throughout the year, from Epinesa, from Iowa to Zach Moss as a later round get. Who, who here sticks out as maybe an underrated pick? Well, I think it's Zach Moss in the third round. I was going to go to Isaiah Hodgins in the sixth, the wide receiver from Oregon State, whose father played in the NFL. He's, I'll, give you, I'll go Isaiah Hodgins, but to go a little earlier, the third round for Moss at pick 86, we thought he was a second. Uh, he yeah. certainly has all the production. He's got the versatility in the third round last year. They got Devin Singletary out of Florida Atlantic, who had a really good rookie year. He was a key element in that offense for Josh Allen. Really, it was a key to them getting as far as they got. Um, I think he will be a really good uh, you know, one-two punch 
uh, with Singletary. And I think Isaiah Hodgins gives them that length at wide receiver that Josh likes. Throw it up and let him go get it. Obviously, Gabriel Davis. But I'd say I'd highlight the sixth-round pick Hodgins. But I do think Moss in the third round was a, a, a steal by about a round. I thought he should have gone in the second round. Yeah, I'll tell you what, too. I, I mentioned it uh, after the pick happened and we were talking amongst ourselves. But Moss and Singletary, you know, kind of overnight, if you if you just healthy and upside and everything, that's, that's a really nice young tandem at, and on those nice cheap third-round contracts that they have in place here for a few years. You really like the look of that backfield, and they definitely subscribe to the Mel Kuyper uh, motto, which is you can get a good running back in the second or third. You can get a starter, and they might have done that, but they really kind of have a little bit of a thunder and lightning element there. Now let's look at the uh, let's look at the New York Jets, who I you know I think overall based on your grades had a pretty good draft. They I'm really did, Chris. Yeah, they did. I could pick out a lot of guys. I thought uh, uh, Joe D. There, Joe Douglas did a really good job. Phil Savage uh, helps out there as well. Our good friend, uh, you know, uh, Phil. And uh, yeah, I think when you look at what they were able to do, help Darnold, but also improve the defense. And they're not getting yeah. a future starter, starting quarterback in James Morgan, but they're getting a guy who can do. But not to go through their draft. But I'll, I'll just highlight one guy. I think Cameron Clark. I like what he did against Clemson. When you play against an elite team, does a kid from Char- uh, Charlotte hold his own? He did. Uh, I love Cameron Clark in the fourth round. I think he can be a guy with Becton will help that line. And uh, just to go one more, I, you know, punters with big legs and can boom the football. I brought up Shane Leckler when he was drafted. I think I think Braden Mann is going to have a long career, and he can like like Sam Cook in Baltimore. I think Braden Mann is going to have a similar career to that. And Leckler, I think he's a heck of a punter. They got him in the sixth round. But Cameron Clark in the fourth will help that offensive line uh, and be a guy I think uh, can develop. Maybe not in year one because it's still a transition, but certainly by year two. Mel, one of my favorite parts of the draft is it's every year. It's in about the sixth round. Maybe we get one in the fifth, or maybe the Jags will throw us one in the third. It's you're getting a little tired. It's like, come on, when can we? When can I eat? And then somebody takes your number one rake punter, and you just <laughs> you just pound the accelerator. They got you know Brian Ryder, Seth Markman. These amazing this amazing team. They got like 19 great Braden Man highlights ready to go, and yep. it just gasses you right up. It's awesome. Yep, no doubt. <laughs> Just yep, but it's true. You know, it is. I mean, it's a case, them, it is a kid. Well, when I look at Thunderfoot, remember that we with with uh, yeah. uh, Weaver, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, with the Detroit Lions, and uh, and now you had, of course, Leckler. I mean, the, the punters are a key element. I mean, they can flip that field. I mean, you think you got them pinned in their own territory? The guy hits a sixty yard punt. So again, a, a brave man, especially with the wind, the way it swirls in New York at the Meadowlands and all that. A punter with that kind of leg strength. Uh, will be a real key, I think, to that football team. I'll tell you what, a guy who will draft punters earlier than most is Bill Belichick, and we know he knows what he's talking about. Subscribes to that Bill Parcells hidden yards theory. Um, you know, it, it does add up. If you watch Titans-Patriots in the wild card game and you tell me you wouldn't draft a punter in the sixth round, I, I would question it. All right, let's jump to the Miami Dolphins, Mel. Um you know, they had a lot of picks. Who stands out as somebody who's maybe flying a bit under the radar? Well, I'll go to Malcolm Perry. Uh, I had a, you know, a chance to watch him on the banks of the Severn River at the Naval Academy, and 
yeah, what a great player he was, a quarterback. Now, Keenan Reynolds didn't make it with Baltimore. They drafted him. He wasn't able yeah. to do it. Malcolm Perry is a guy with super quick feet. He can be in the running back scenario. You can use him there on jet sweeps and reverses and you know wide receiver screens, bubble screens. You can get him in the slot. You can put him in the return game. I wouldn't be surprised if Malcolm Perry carved a niche in Miami to help out Tua be a, an integral part as a versatile guy. You can situational guy, special teams as well. Uh, I'll get. I'll, hey, I hope Malcolm Perry makes it, and I think if he does, uh, you'll get some contributions both on offense and special teams from him. Uh, you know, call me crazy if, in th- Malcolm Perry, if you've watched enough Navy football, the dude is electric. If in two years after you're on the practice squad or returning some kicks, somebody goes down and Malcolm Perry runs out there and plays nickel corner, I wouldn't be surprised. He's that level of an athlete. Yep. All right, Mel, this was your number, your top graded draft. The Baltimore Ravens just piled it up this year, even with a arguably a Super Bowl level roster. Who's flying under the radar among so many good picks? I'll give you two because they got an A, so I think I can't hold an A grade, the best grade in the NFL, to one player. Tyree Phillips played tackle at Mississippi State. They got him in the end of the third round, 106. He is a Kalichi Osimile type guy. He's got incredibly long arms. He's a fierce pass block, I mean, a run blocker. He can hold it. Morton held his own in pass protection, but he is a destructive fierce drive blocker, run blocker, like Osimile. brings that defensive mentality and that incredibly long arms, which just engulfs the defensive lineman. Uh, so I'll go Tyree Phillips as a guard. They need that with Yonder retiring. And James Prochet, I had been talking about him a lot. Uh, he got They traded into the sixth round with Minnesota at pick 201 to get the receiver from SMU. Ton of production. What's going to be a key for him is first and second year is going to be those punt kick return skills. That'll be a big plus for this football team. Uh, that's why I'm amazed. Like you say, you go back to the, we'll get to the Packers not taking a receiver. Here's a team that already had Devin Duvernay, and they trade back into the sixth round and get James Prochet, who somehow slid through the cracks and got into the sixth round, but I thought he'd go in the fourth or fifth round. So I'll go with uh, with Phillips and, and Prochet as two guys that are definitely flying under radar with Baltimore's draft. Yeah, they they really stacked it up. Um, Pittsburgh Steelers, you have a chance to mention another yep. Charlotte 49er here, Mel. I love Alex Highsmith. Uh, he's a former walk-on. He's got that edge, plays with that chip. He's a Steeler kind of player. Uh, they got a really good one in Alex Highsmith. Uh, no doubt about it. I mean, that guy, uh, you know, he plays hard. Uh, like I say, he's really as athletic. He's got a, he can close quickly. Uh, he, nobody will outwork him. Uh, that's the key, I think, for him developing. And I'll, I'll even throw Kevin Dotson in there. Here's a guy who wasn't even invited to the combine. Got overlooked completely, but Robert Hunt yeah. drew people's eyes to Louisiana Lafayette. Hunt went in the second round to Miami. Here's Dotson in the fourth round. He's a straight-ahead guy. He's a phone, a phone booth guy. Uh, pass protection he's going to have to work on. But another guy we talk about, it can move people off the ball. And uh, I think Robert Hunt uh, you know, got people to the tape, not at the combine. We didn't think many of those guys would get drafted because not having pro days. Uh, but I think with Highsmith and Dotson, they got help on the line. They got themselves an edge pass rusher in Alex Highsmith. All right, we're going to the Cleveland Browns, and I'm going to steal one off the top. I thought Nick Harris was a bit of a steal late, um, just because it's like I love I love when teams draft centers in this range because it's not unlike what the Patriots did at guards. Like you can get starters in this area. Um, they obviously have J.C. Treader there, but uh, maybe a future starter. Who else you got here is under the radar? 
Well, I'm going to go with, you know, I think Harrison Bryant. You say, why would they draft a tight end when they already have Hooper coming in and, and, and Joku and all the guys they have? I think, you know, it was just too hard to pass up. I was a little surprised some of those tight ends went a little earlier. Uh, Josiah DeGuara even went ahead of him uh, to Green Bay. Uh, and I think to get Harrison Bryant in the fourth round is a nice pick. But I'm going to go to one of Todd's favorites. Todd liked Donovan Peoples-Jones a lot more than I did. Uh, I didn't have a high grade on Donovan Peoples-Jones, but sixth round for a kid that went a 44 vertical. He's got length. Uh, yeah, I, I thought he's got to fight for the ball more. He's got to get a quicker out of his cuts, out of his break. Uh, he's just got to be uh, shake that underachiever label. I mean, Ronnie Bell outproduced him. Nico Collins, other guys were just outproduced him. And Shea Patterson wasn't a bad quarterback. Uh, so uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones should have been more productive. He should have been more dominant. He wasn't. He drops to the sixth round. Hopefully the light goes on with a kid with an awful lot of talent, but never really, uh, I thought, uh, you know, maximized that ability with Michigan. Uh, but to see him there at pick 187, uh, yeah, even if he doesn't make it, it's worth the pick at, uh, at in the sixth round to take a kid with all those skills that Donovan Peoples-Jones has. Yeah, Mel, I, I mean, Peoples-Jones, I mean, let's just little diversion here, but – you see these guys go off the board in the sixth round. Peoples Jones again. I think he said ran four four eight forty five inch vertical six two. I think he's about two twelve two fourteen. We saw Desmond Patton from Washington State go also in the sixth round. This guy's six three two twenty four ran like four five two jumps. Mm-hmm. My point is, it's it's incredible the level of athletes that you're seeing at that position down that far in the draft, and I just keep thinking back to the fact that you're watching Alabama play football now. You're watching LSU play football. Those games that could end 9-6 five years ago are turning into shootouts, and the level of athlete at wide receiver, you know, when they're going three and four wide in 80% of SEC games, Mel, it's it's really an incredible time. Yeah, one point I want to make, Bill Polian had stressed this every time we were in a meeting with Bill and talking about how you build and, and put together a team. And he said, when you get into the sixth, seventh round of the draft, don't take the overachievers. Take the underachievers with great skill, great talent, and try to hope that the light goes on and you can coach them up because there's a lot to work with there. Okay, some guys just overachieve in, in, in college and they, they, they put up numbers, but they, they're just, they, they're just basically stalemated at the NFL. They, they, they're as good as they're going to get. They've leveled off. They're not going to get any better no matter how much coaching. He really thought that taking guys like Peoples Jones and any players, and we'll talk about and highlight some of them today, that have tons of talent, but are in the sixth, seventh round because they were just like a classic underachiever. Okay. Those kind of guys are worth rolling the dice with in the later rounds of the draft, according to Bill Polian. And that certainly is why he's a Hall of Fame GM. Yeah. Bill knows a thing or two about drafting wide receivers and, and other players too. <laughs> I mean, we were talking about, uh, you know, anniversaries of, uh, the Ricky Williams trade, and I keep thinking back to the fact that everybody thought Bill was going to take Ricky Williams because, of course, and he takes Edger and James out of uh, mm-hmm. Miami, and Indiana fan, Indianapolis fans were mad. <laughs> <laughs> you can hear the booze, and Edge is a Hall of Famer now. So what is, yeah, most what is of the Bill time, when the, Most of the time, like you say, when you think about with Bill, even taking Peyton Manning over Ryan Leaf wasn't a slam yeah. dunk in terms of 50% of the league like Leafs. Oh. So uh, Bill, he had to make, when you were up there at the top and you got to make those tough calls, and you got everybody sitting there, Chris, it's not like you had somebody fall on your lap, and that made it easy because the two other guys are gone, and you take Ben Roethlisberger, say, after Rivers and Manning are gone. When you got to make 
take that first pick and you've got to take either a Leaf or Manning and you take Manning. Then you've got to take Williams and James and you say, okay, you know, Edger and James. Uh, that's when you talk about the, the elite personnel evaluators that have to make that call when everybody else is sitting waiting to see what you're going to do and the obvious looks obvious for a reason and you go against the grain and you get people wondering and questioning and those players turn out to be great. That's what separates the Hall of Fame GMs from the guys who are just going with the flow. Yeah, he's he's a legend, no doubt, and a Hall of Famer too. All right, Kuiper, Cincinnati. It was it. God bless these guys because they never even really got into the thing like ah, this this picks for sale. <laughs> it never was. They got their guy. Um, then they get T Higgins, which is kind of an AJ Green Jr. Probably he's obviously not at the AJ's athletic traits mm-hmm. as the number four pick. But beyond that, who sticks out here? Who's going to break through early on? Yeah, the first pick in every round, Roy gave it, and then Jonah Williams didn't even play last year. So they had three first-round yeah. picks. They had Joe Burrow, Jonah Williams, and T. Higgins, who's the first pick in the second round. Every one of these picks was a round earlier, really. So I'll go Marcus Bailey, linebacker out of Purdue. Daniel Jeremiah said on the draft that he had a second-round grade on just talent. Forget the injury. If it wasn't for the injury, he would have been maybe a second-round caliber player. I had him in the third as far as that goes. So we were both thinking early within the first two days that Marcus Bailey should come off the board. If he can stay healthy and and, uh, eliminate some of those durability concerns, he had a couple injuries at Purdue. When he was on the field, he was flying around the field making plays against the run and coverage. He's a kid who plays hard. Great attitude, great approach. I'll say Marcus Bailey. I'll get like so. You got to get it who has talent of a second or third rounder, and only drops because of injuries. If he can stay healthy, and some guys are hurt in college, you'll never get them hurt in the NFL. Some guys are never hurt in college. You get in the NFL and they can't stay on the field. So let's hope that Marcus Bailey's on the field because I think he will be a great seventh round pick for the Bengals if he is. So the Houston Texans, as we jump into the AFC South, their first round pick was obviously spoken for, uh, Laramie Tunsil. Guy can play. That's <laughs> and they uh, they they believe it because they gave a pile of money to reinforce the point as this draft was going on. Um, Mel, who else here sticks out as somebody who maybe is a little bit under the radar? And by the way, I can definitely start to feel old because I remember Andy Heck getting drafted, and they got Charlie Heck. Yeah, they did. Uh, the son of Andy Heck, who had a, was on that national championship team at Notre Dame. Uh, the Vinny Serrato, Lou Holtz, all those key guys there uh, that uh, were there with that team with, uh, with Tony Rice, the quarterback. But I think you look at Isaiah Coulter, who's a wide receiver out of Rhode Island. The Rams actually had two other players, both signed as free agents. Uh, the offensive lineman Kyle Murphy, guard center, and also uh, Aaron Parker, wide receiver, who's the cousin of Isaiah Coulter. So Isaiah Coulter had a great game against Virginia Tech. Proved what he could do there. He's got length. Uh, he's got run-after-catch ability. Still a little raw, but and coming out of Rhode Island, it'll take him a little bit of time to transition. But I think as a – put him as your fifth receiver right now on that team. Uh, let him develop. Let him learn. Uh, I think Isaiah Coulter in two, three years could be a factor for uh, Deshaun Watson catching the football in that offense. I think this was a this was kind of a hidden interesting draft. Some of it kind of depends on how you feel about Christian Fulton. Some of it kind of depends on if you think that there's upside, like actual backup upside in a guy like Cole McDonald. I don't know. I, I'm trying to remember who on the broadcast who your big sleeper in this one was, Mel. Well, I will say this about their third round pick, Darrington Evans. Now you have Thunder and Lightning. You got Derrick Henry as Thunder, and you got Darrington Evans as Lightning. I mean, he can fly. He hits that hole, and he can go the distance. So now all of a sudden your defense gets a little tired. You know, they're tired of hitting Derrick Henry, and all of a sudden there's Darrington Evans flying by you. And you can't get the right angle on this guy. That's that's the one-two punch people want. They want the big guy. They want the, the guy who has that game-breaking ability, and that's what they're going to have now. But I'll go to Cole McDonald. Cole McDonald's got arm talent. 
I mean, he can flick it around. He had those, you know, when you talk about Ward and the guys they had catching the ball in that offense, JoJo Ward was one of those little receivers. Cedric Bird was the other. And hit him in stride. We talked about that's one thing Jacob Eason's got to work on, the underneath throws, giving receivers a chance, hit him in stride, let him run. Cole McDonald did that uh, very effectively. And I think he, there's a lot to work with there. There's still some mechanical things they're working through, but arm talent and all the throws he made at Hawaii, uh, all the very the varied throws he made, the, the diversity of the throws he had to make. Uh, I'll say Cole McDonald in the seventh round. I, I wouldn't mind developing a quarterback with the kind of arm he has and uh, the experience. Even though he comes out early, he still made a lot of throws. And uh, I think he's the kind of guy as a seventh round pick at pick two twenty four uh, made an awful lot of sense. Yeah, you know what I also like, you know, John Robinson, these guys didn't fall into the trap of thinking, oh, yeah, we got our quarterback for the next 10 years. You know, Tannehill's 31. He's going on 32. He had a great season, but he didn't even play the full season. He's been nicked up in the past. He's had the shoulder. So they they weren't just, you know, they weren't just buying into the idea that this is a perfect scenario. Mm-hmm. They, they think they have their guy, but as you and Todd always likes to say, you got a quarterback you can you think is actually something in the six or seven? Go get him. Yeah. At the I'm worst, looking. he's a backup that you're not paying anything for four or five years. And so mm-hmm. I, I agree, Mel. I thought that was a pretty smart pick um, for the Tennessee Titans. They've done a lot of good things over the last year. All right, let's round out the. Oh, excuse me. We're not down to the Jags yet. We're at the Colts. Yep. Indianapolis Colts. Who stands out here as an under the radar guy? You know, I'm going to go. I'll let you have Washington State's uh, Desmond Patman. You can enlighten us and educate us on Desmond Pat. You've studied uh, every tape of Washington State's games with Desmond. But I'll go. I'll go to a little. I'll go to a little. These I like these diminutive dynamos on both sides. And Isaiah Rogers at UMass in the sixth round. He's got that knack, Chris. He had 11 career interceptions. He'll get up there. He'll pressure. He's got really good instincts. He locates the ball very effectively down the field. He's got returnability as well. He's an outstanding return man. So I think in the on special teams in a return game, and as a dime back initially, that extra DB, uh, Isaiah Rogers can maybe sneak on the field. So I, I wouldn't bet against a kid who who, uh, who gets the job done at the level he did, both on special teams and intercepting passes. You know, Mel, one thing that it kind of cracked me up as this draft happened, I look back, you know, they've got some they've got some uh, receivers there in in T. Y. Hilton. Paris Campbell, Zach Pascoe obviously stands out. None of those guys are going to go win you a big jump ball. No offense to any of them. <laughs> and they know who they have at quarterback. And you know Phillip Rivers occasionally is going to take those shots. He, he likes to throw. They, the Chargers outfitted him with some big receivers, a, a strong hands tight end over the years in Gates and then Hunter Henry. And they seemed very conscious of who their quarterback was when they go get Michael Pittman, 6'4", 220-plus guy who will fight through contact and win you some jump balls. And Desmond Patton, again, a flyer, maybe more of a special teams guy early on. But again, 6'3", 220, strong at the catch point. We'll go get it for you. You you just get the sense. I kind of laugh. They they know Phil's going to throw up a couple of them and say, do your best, fellas. Yeah, no question. They had one of the top drafts. They really did. If you throw DeForest Buckner in, which we did, and yep. with the, even though maybe the future starting quarterback, possibly in Jacob Eason, who can sit, watch, and learn behind Phillip, uh, that was a, uh, a very good draft. But Baltimore and Indianapolis were right there at the top in terms of the best drafts. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of picks where you said, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yep. Now, how about the Jags? 
You know, I'm just looking through, and they had a lot of picks. Uh, yeah. But I do think when you look back on this draft, somehow, some way, Ben Barch from St. John's in Minnesota in round four is going to be a factor on that line. Now, I don't know whether it's going to be yeah. tackle or guard. He's a former tight end, two years at left tackled. Short arm, I mean, not short, super short, but not quite the arm length you would want, but not super short arms. Uh, but, uh, you know, you'd like his arms to be a little longer. But as a guard, it could maybe be a backup tackle. We've seen guys with this arm length make it. Uh, I think Ben Barch uh, from St. John's in Minnesota is going to be a factor uh, on that line within the next two years. Yeah, he's an interesting one, and I and you know he's not under the radar. It's just going to be really interesting to see what they do um, with Kalevon Chason out there, um, just based on kind of like how they're going to line him up. Um, it's interesting, Mel. You look at this draft, and I think it kind of flew under the radar. You know, you and I like this expression. I don't know who's a star here, but they got a lot of guys. They did. <laughs> they got they a really lot of did. guys. They did. And if Chase on can stay, if Chase on can stay healthy, uh, you know, he's had a couple of years of injuries, but they they did get some of those guys can become big timers, you know, and yeah. and that's the, that's what they're hoping for there with all the strength in numbers that Jacksonville has. Yeah, if you're not familiar with uh, scouting parlance, we also do this in baseball, but. I think I'm I'm saying that Kuiper and I invented it, and Todd came along for the ride. You got guys, capital G Y, and you got a lot of guys. You know, yep. middle of the pack. Mm-hmm. They got a lot of guys, Mel. They they might have some. They might have some guys here. We'll see. Kansas City Chiefs drafting after a Super Bowl title. We're willing to break the code, uh, the Kuiper code, and go with a running back. But they did it right on the edge around one, so you're not going to get them too much for that. Nope. Who else here sticks on a Super Bowl? champion team you know i think a key guy and he's certainly not under the radar is willie gay jr and i you think yeah. it's a second i'm gonna say second i'm gonna pick the second round guy because i thought he'd be a third or a fourth now they they had that history of taking guys uh who need to be focused and really need to stay on the field and find a way to put all that stuff at mississippi they didn't have a lot of starts but he's a talented kid and he's enormously gifted they talk about speed to the football toughness athleticism, strength. He's got all of it, all the physical athletic qualities you want Willie Gay Jr. has. And I think when you look at, at what they need and Spagnuolo's defense in terms of coverage and the, always uh, the linebackers needing to play various roles, not just getting after the quarterback, but basically being able to tackle in space and cover, uh, I think he's going to be a nice addition. I think that's a key guy. Like I say, he may have taken him around earlier uh, than people thought, but at the end of the day, well, you know, he's a, you know, if he can find a way to play 16 games and, and just stay focused on the, on the job at hand, and I think Willie Gay can be a, a nice pick for the Kansas City Chiefs. Denver Broncos probably had one of the earlier surprises in the draft. Most people did not have Henry Ruggs, his teammate, coming off the board before. And John Elway said, oh, Jerry Judy's sitting there? Okay. Um, not a tough pick for them. Beyond that, where do you see some hidden value? Well, you know what they did? Denver led the league this year in hit-or-miss picks. You right. guys, it could be big hits or big misses. KJ Hamler, if he doesn't become more consistent. Michael uh, Jamudia, who uh, you know didn't play as well as he tested. Uh, Lloyd Cushenberry at LSU had uh, you know games where he looked like fifth round, others he looked like second. Uh, Albert O from Missouri, you know you got to you know, shake that underachiever label. But late, I'm going to go to a guy who's not in that category to me is Justin Strenad from Wake Forest. He had the biceps injury midway through. Prior to that, he was really on everybody's radar. He's an excellent guy in coverage. He tackles well in space. Uh, you know, he wasn't able to be a big sack guy, but he has a chance to I think to help you from an inside linebacker perspective there. Uh, I think you know he only had that one injury. Not like he's injury prone, 
So Justin Strenad runs well, athletic. Uh, I think gets through traffic very well. You don't see him getting caught up in with blocks. Stays on his feet. Uh, I think Derek Tuska, the, the the pass rusher from North Dakota State, has a almost Mister Irrelevant uh, could be a factor as well because he's got some talent as a combo guy. So I think Strenad and Tuska will help them on that second line of defense. All right, it's your boys Gruden and Mayock out there. They went. They they surprised us earlier by by giving a. Pouring one out for Al Davis and taking the the four twos forty guy with the first pick and Henry Ruggs, which hey those guys see Tyreek Hill twice a year. You can't blame them for coveting a guy like that. And then of course Mel, they're just going to draft a bunch of Clemson Tigers, maybe an Ohio State Buckeye, maybe, maybe a Crimson Tide player or two. But who else down the line here? I, mean, I John Simpson sticks out to me. I mean I think that guy can start, but who else maybe? Well, I think when you look at Amik Robertson, who's a kind of that 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 slot corner. Who had right. so many interceptions and was so you know just just jump out at you when you watch Louisiana Tech play. He was a guy that has great ball skills. He's glued to the receiver, quick feet. He'll, he'll in order for you to play for John Gruden, you've got to be a Gruden grinder and tackle, and he does. Yeah. So I'll definitely go with Meek Robertson from Louisiana Tech. They think they had their starter opposite Trayvon Mullen and Damon Arnett. So now you got the second round pick last year in Mullen. You got Arnett, the first round pick this year. And now you add in a Meek Robertson uh, as your slot corner. Uh, I think that to me, and I, like I said, I, you know how I felt about Lynn Bowden Jr. I'm not going to get into him, I, what he can do. I like him, and I like Edwards, are two third round receivers. But Amik Robertson is a guy in round four, I think will help them right away as a rookie, as a guy that, uh, in, with Arnett and Robertson, you're going to have two rookie contributors and a second year guy in Mullins. This is a team that Mayock and Gruden are building, and the talent level keeps getting better and better each year. I was laughing because I think Robertson, soon after he was taken, said that they just got the best corner in the draft. That was his. And I was like, like that. I remember yeah. the meetings where the certain guys that Gruden will pound the table for, yeah. corners who will tackle, yes, and corners who think like that. Like He just yeah. seems like the perfect guy for John's team. All right, Mel, the L.A. Chargers. I didn't call it San Diego for the first time in a while. I'm getting better. L.A. Chargers, who's our sleeper? K.J. Hill is a seventh rounder who I, and Joe Reed even in the fifth round out of Virginia, two yeah. receivers that you get late. Reed had a really productive year for Virginia. And Hill, as a slot receiver, that's what he's experienced at. All he did was just go about his business, workmanlike way, and catch the ball. And they're not flashy. Reed and Hill aren't flashy, but they will be, I think, for Justin Herbert, who's the quarterback coming in, Tyrod Taylor, the quarterback now. Before you know it, it's going to be Justin Herbert's team. And he'll grow with these two. They'll grow with him. He'll grow with them, Reed and Hill. And they got one in the fifth and one in the seventh. So, uh, And I love Joshua Kelly, their fourth-round pick out of UCLA, the running back. But I think the two receivers late in the draft will both help Justin Herbert. And maybe not be, they're going to be ones or twos. Maybe Hill's a slot. Maybe Reed's your fourth receiver. But for depth and I think for the fact that these guys are professional receivers, the way they go about their business and the kind of production they had, I'll, I like those two guys where they got them in the draft. Man, Mel, I tell you what, we I mentioned it earlier, but it is no party right now. If you're a 29, 30, 31-year-old wide receiver, and some of these teams, they didn't take one in the first four rounds, and you're like, oh, I'm feeling pretty good. And then some of these guys are going to show up to camp, and you're going to be like, who are these dudes that are getting in the fifth and yep. sixth round? These guys can play. It's unbelievable some of the depth at this position. All right, the Eagles. They obviously had arguably the biggest talker in the entire draft, going the old Andy Reid route. Taking They got a quarterback in hand, but they were still willing to roll the die on one earlier with Jalen Hurts. That kind of dominated the conversation around Philly and the papers and the blogs and all that. But 
Telling somebody else they got that they might be forgetting about is pretty good. Casey Tuhill is a kid out of Stanford who tested great at the Combine. Great and you test. go back and watch him, he created havoc. I mean, he, he was definitely a difference maker getting after the quarterback in a number of games. Uh, he just gives you everything he has. You had mentioned earlier Rob Ninkovich's name coming out of Purdue. was like a fifth-round pick, whatever he was. Uh, just a guy that gave you everything he had. Two Hill will do that as well. Uh, he did it for for uh, David Shaw uh, on a consistent basis at Stanford. You could make an argument he was their best defensive player this year. Um, you know, yeah, other guys got more publicity, but play game in and game out. He was a guy off the edge. Teams had to figure a way to try to stop and contain it. They really didn't. And then he tested really well. So at pick 233, round seven, I'll go Casey Tuhill. Dallas Cowboys, Mel. Again, a team that had some other needs, but when C.D. Lamb's sitting there, Jerry on his uh, gazillion-dollar yacht. you got to get one of those out on the chest peak, by the way. Jerry on his yacht says, you know what, forget it. I'm going to take C.D. Lamb. I like my wide receiver core. But they made some sneaky other picks down the board that I think maybe got lost a little bit too. Yeah, Reggie Robinson a second had a really good year. And when I talked to people before the draft, like three, four, five weeks before, they're saying, get him up the board a little bit. He's going to go higher than people think. He's an under-the-radar, really good young corner. And I, you know, I'd also say Bradley and I. Bradley and I only ran 4.89, 4.9, some people had him at the Combine. But he was a guy got after the quarterback. You saw what he did with Austin Jackson who went in the first round to the Dolphins. Uh, Bradley and I has got sack production. Bradley and I is, is a guy, he's a, a cliff diver, you saw him, he's, he, he just goes out there and in fifth round to get a guy with that kind of ability that he showed at Utah against pretty good competition week in and week out. I'll take a guy like that. I, like I said, that goes against the grain in the sixth, seventh round, but you're in the fifth round here. And I thought he could go in the third round, even despite that four eight nine. Every all the Terrell Suggs didn't run well either for the. I'm not saying he's going to be Terrell Suggs, but Terrell Suggs didn't run great for the clock. And there's been other guys, so you can find guys. Like Pernell McPhee and Matthew Judon and Zadarius Smith were all late round picks of the Baltimore Ravens that became really good pass rushers. And I think Bradley and I can overcome whatever people knock the speed, the forty speed. Plays faster than that. That four eight nine four nine did hurt him, but uh, I wouldn't bet against this kid making that team and being a guy who can be a situational pass rusher. New York Giants, uh, I'm going to go ahead and steal your guy because I love 86-inch arms, and Matt Parrott's got him out of UConn. Give me a tackle who's got arms so long that he can stand and dunk a basketball without jumping, and I might reach for him. So that's my guy, Mel. Who is your... Who is your under-the-radar pick on the Giants who's going to turn into something? Well, I think Darnay Holmes is a slot corner. We talked about it. There's a lot of these guys this year that were considered slot corners. Meek Robertson being one, Josiah Scott from Michigan State another. Certainly uh, Darnay Holmes had a really good year. So uh, I think Darnay Holmes is a guy to really keep an eye on in that fourth round. you got Xavier McKinney to be the safety and the leader. All of a sudden now you get Darnay Holmes coming in. I think that's a really good pick and really helps that secondary. Like I said, in that role, I think he will be a, a guy as a rookie can contribute to that secondary. Washington Redskins, again, like the Bengals, we kind of knew what was happening at the top. They didn't move. They got their guy in Chase Young. Now, they got a receiver out of Liberty who I think is – I know he was on – he was somebody you've talked up throughout the year. I just like saying his name, Antonio Gandy-Golden. Is, is he your sleeper here? Yeah, he is. And I think at 6'4", 223, Chris, everybody said, we well, he doesn't run that fast. He ran 4'6". When you're 6'4", 223, that's not a bad time. I don't know what, what I don't know what world people live in when they say four six is slow. <laughs> yeah. uh, when you're 6'4", 223, he's not, he's not you know, 5'11", 175. Running four six, he's six four two twenty three with length. 
And you know, he's a smart kid. He's got a really good football IQ. When the, the ball wasn't thrown properly, it was inaccurate, he would become a defensive back and just break the daggone thing up. That's what he did. So, I mean, this kid, you know, you talk about catch radius, throw it up, red zone. Antonio Gibson, I think, was a good third-round pick who can be kind of a running back receiver. You can use him in a lot of ways, kick return game. But for you mentioned Dwayne Haskins, throw it up. And Antonio Gannon, Gandy Golden, nine times out of ten, will make the tough catch. So he, he might not get great separation. Obviously, he's going to have to work on that. But uh, I wouldn't bet against this kid being a contributor to this pass offense. Green Bay Packers had, obviously, and arguably, the most discussed NFL draft there was. Obviously, they moved up for Jordan Love. I think people forget today Aaron Rodgers is 36, not 30. <laughs> but putting that aside... There was some thought that because they didn't draft a wide receiver, they didn't help Rodgers. You've mentioned I, in, in this draft, it's it's a little bit perplexing why it wouldn't take a wide receiver. But they did get some tight ends, Mel, that could be kind of interesting. Yeah, they got Josiah DeGuara out in the third round. And you thought about no receiver. They took a safety and a defensive end in the seventh round. They couldn't get one receiver. And then we wouldn't even be God having guy. this discussion about the Packers. <laughs> like Not one. But Josiah DeGuara... It does have talent. Uh, he's a kid out of Cincinnati, out of Bearcat program. It's not going to be Travis Kelsey, but he could be a guy that uh, I think helps uh, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, but Jordan Love's going to have to wait probably four or five years to be the quarterback here because uh, I think Aaron's going to have a chip now. He's going to say, hey, you, you, you draft a quarterback, you're going to have to wait before he's taking my job. So this could motivate Aaron Rodgers even more. The problem is they should have gotten him a receiver, and that would not only help that Aaron Rodgers, it would help that Devontae Adams because it's been Devontae Adams and, every, and nobody. He's the only one at wide receiver. There was a 48 reception gap between Devontae Adams and the number two wide receiver, and he missed four games with injury. So what does that tell you? And you come into a draft with great wide receivers, the strength of the draft, and you don't take one. But Josiah DeGuara could, you know, could, I'm not saying right away, but I think will be a factor at tight end with his skill level. Minnesota Vikings had one of your top grades this year. Again, I'll go back to the accident. They got a lot of guys here. Um, obviously, some people know that Justin Jefferson saw him, obviously, a lot on the big stage. Jeff Gladney, kind of an under-the-radar, really good football player. But, Mel, that was really just the tip. I mean, there was – I'm looking at the board here, six, seven, eight guys. You're like, okay, okay, could be a player among them who stands out as kind of an under-the-radar stud. You know, I think when you look at this draft, I'm like Kyle Hinton, the guard from Washburn, I think can make this team. I was surprised right. he dropped to the seventh round. He was an, an under the radar small college lineman who really has uh, some some ability. But I'll go to uh, a guy that I think you know when you think about you know guys that just give you everything they have. Uh, you know, James Lynch out of Baylor is a guy. I was a little surprised Matt Rule didn't take him because he was such a key element. Now, he did take uh, Bravion Roy, uh, the Baylor defensive lineman, uh, Matt Rule did. But James Lynch goes to the Vikings. Uh, Chris Spielman gets himself a guy who's a – I compare him to Dean Lowry. Dean Lowry came out of Northwesterns, had a really nice start to his career with, with the Green Bay Packers. I think you can see James Lynch do the same thing. And just a little note on K.J. Osborne, the Buffalo Bulls transfer to Miami wide receiver in the return game. Punt kick return game, KJ Osborne is going to be a factor. So you may, you know, it was a wide receiver, maybe, but definitely on special teams, that returnability, I think, is what pushed him up into the fifth round. Chicago Bears got a couple players at the top, I thought, you know, considering they, Leo Mack is still a part of this draft, but Cole Komet, who I believe was your top ranked tight end, Mel, mm-hmm. and then they also get, I think, just 
Jalen Johnson's a really good football player. You just feel like he's going to have a long career in the NFL. Maybe that's that's me talking. I'm not the, I'm not the expert like you, but Jalen Johnson's a pretty good player. There's a couple of interesting names beyond that, though. Yep. Yeah, there are, and I think to go to Jalen Johnson, the only reason he didn't go in the first round was because of the shoulder injuries. That's it. Right. It was the shoulder only, and with the not, not having a normal draft process with the medical rechecks, that hurt him. But if we would have had a normal process, he'd have gone 20 to 25, 20, definitely in that, uh, before 32. But I'll go to Travis Gibson, the kid out of Tulsa. He's got some pass rush ability. He showed that. Uh, they can move him around. He can be up. He can be down. Uh, he can be, fulfill a lot of roles in that front seven. Uh, and I think as a guy, you just put him, pin your ears, go after the quarterback. He showed natural pass rush ability. He was a guy who got after the quarterback. He has the ability to chase and, and catch. Uh, some guys can chase, can't catch. He can chase and catch. Uh, he, he'll give you everything he has. He'll dive out there to try to get the ankle. I think Travis Gibson will be a factor on that defense uh, with his pass rush potential. The Detroit Lions uh, drafted a whole bunch of Buckeyes. A couple of them, though, could start pretty early. No, this was kind of an interesting draft. I thought they actually did a pretty good job. I mean, they're not you're not going to hit home runs everywhere, but they – this felt like a decent needs draft. Uh, not all these guys are going to start, but the Lions got some guys where you can see, if you're just going down their depth chart, ways for these guys to contribute in rotations or back up primary starters pretty quickly. It was an interesting, interesting draft for Bob Quinn. It was. And it was a pretty good draft overall, I think, when you really look at it. And, and, and you size it up against the rest of the division, and you size it up against the rest of the league in terms of where this draft ranked. Uh, yeah, it was a pretty solid draft overall. I thought they could, you know, when you look at where they ranked with a B grade, uh, it could have even, you know, maybe a B plus, B, B plus. But I think, uh, when you look at the guys that were the steals or the under the radar, I think Quintez Cephas, when you hear Jeff Okuda say toughest receiver I had a face all year, uh, oh. Cephas battles you. Uh, you know, he's got the ability. He ran a lot faster than he did at the combine, uh, when he had a chance, obviously, in preparation for the draft. He's, he's more of a mid four five guy, probably, but quick. He, he understands how to get that positioning, uh, when he's in, in, in traffic and contested situations. And I think Logan Stenberg, the guard from Kentucky, just gets after it. Highly competitive player. They, and really, I think, improve the interior of that offensive line with Jack and Stenberg, which will really help Matthew Stafford. But I think Cephas, uh, as a guy, will be your third receiving option, fourth receiving option. Uh, I would expect him to have a chance to, to contribute right away as a rookie, and I thought he was a really good fifth-round pick. You know, he'll be interesting too, Mel, because he is a seriously physical dude. If, if, mm-hmm. if you told him to put on number 25, you'd think you were talking to a, a, a physical safety uh, so it'll be interesting to see if he's an ace on special teams too. Not not everybody has those instincts, but you know, uh, it'll just be interesting. He is he is a jacked up wide receiver. Now looking at the New Orleans Saints, the name that stuck out late, uh, Tommy Stevens. It's hard not to right because he's going to Sean Payton. He can do some different things. That was one of them. What else did you see here that kind of flew under the radar? Well, not a lot to choose from, Chris, with four no. picks. And, <laughs> no. you know, this, this is definitely a quality over quantity draft for uh, Sean yeah. Payton and for uh, for Mickey Loomis. I think you look at, at Adam Troutman. Adam Troutman's a tight end out of Dayton. You say, well, coming out, you know, Obi Toppin's coming into the NBA draft as a top 10, top five guy, elite player, one of the most entertaining college basketball players you'd ever want to watch out of Dayton was Obi Toppin. Shame they didn't have a chance to have the, the tournament. Uh, John Gruden, Dayton Flyer as well. But Adam Troutman was a quarterback 
turn tight end, uh, and he made some spectacular catches. Uh, I, don't, I don't know, you know, transitioning from Dayton to the NFL may take a little time, but I think uh, that whether it's Drew Brees is going to be a big factor with him or whoever it's going to be uh, in terms of the quarterback, whether it's Taysom Hill, uh, who's a big factor there, or it's Jameis Winston, we don't know what it's going to be. Tommy Stevens is an athlete. Tommy Stevens came in as a dual-threat quarterback. He can run, I think, maybe even make him into an H-back, move tight end. Certainly their quarterbacks with great legs and great ability and from a, a mobility running standpoint they like. Uh, but I, I will think the third-round pick, Adam Troutman, at some point over the next two years is going to really transition into this league, learn, obviously, as a rookie, and then be a factor in that pass offense because he can catch the ball and he's got the ability to – extend. Uh, he's, he's very competitive. Like I say, a former quarterback turned tight end uh, who really put together uh, you know, one heck of a, a couple seasons for Dayton. The Atlanta Falcons puzzled you a little bit in the first round with A.J. Terrell. Good player. You just thought it was a bit of a reach well, at yeah. that mm-hmm. spot. But they did some interesting things later on and I'll save this one. I also thought they added at least one interesting name as an undrafted free agent. But down the board, who stands out to you? Well, I think when you look at AJ Terrell, just go to him because I don't want to act like we were bashing the pick. If he'd have been no, picked at twenty four, at twenty four, nobody would have had an argument. So you, right. I would have traded down from sixteen. AJ Terrell got beat up for that uh, Jamar Chase game, the LSU game. And if you go back, Jamar Chase just made contested catches. What happened is Terrell didn't look back for the football. He was blanketing Chase on a couple of them, but he just didn't locate the ball. Uh, so that's going to determine their draft. But I think when you look at the draft overall, I think Matt Hennessy from Temple. I like them as a center. Uh, you know, does he have the ability to be that center guard? He's a very athletic kid. Uh, I think Matt Hennessy to help that line. That line, remember when they went to the Super Bowl, that line was the only offensive line in the NFL that was intact from the first game to the last game, which was a Super Bowl game they should have won against New England. That offensive line never, ever had to, to move anybody in. The starters were there the entire way. Then you see some injuries, some, some things happening after that. Uh, Matt Hennessy's got to be a, a key element, not only this year coming up, but I think moving forward. Uh, like I said, that center could be a guard, but uh, I like the Matt Hennessy. I thought he could go in the second round. And, Mel, I'll just throw out one undrafted free agent that's kind of interesting if, if you just look at their depth chart there. Jared Pinckney out of uh, out of Vandy's kind of an interesting one, just because Hayden Hurst is there, but after that, you know, there's a chance to stick with this team. So, yeah, yeah Jared well, Pinckney, just to talk, he's an interesting guy, Chris, because I thought right. going into the year he'd be a second, third round pick. Exactly. I mean, and then all of a sudden, you know, they have a change with coordinators. They don't get him the ball. I mean, there were games, Chris. Nobody even looked at Jared Pinckney. The quarterback didn't right. even look at him. He's sitting there right in the hook zone. On a third and seven, wide open, and they're throwing an incomplete pass out to the. It's like it's like how can you not get you? The guy goes back for a senior year, as as Kalijah Lipscomb did too, who went undrafted, and nobody's looking for him. I mean, how can you have that happen at Vanderbilt? And then he ran a four nine six at the combine, and based on the drop in production, both from a receiving reception standpoint and touchdown standpoint, dramatically dropped. He's got to be sitting there saying, "Why did I not come? Why did I not leave after the 2018 season? Why? Why did I go back for 2019? Because he went from a third round pick to a free agent, uh, and I don't think that what he did. Now the four nine six, you got to blame him for that. But what happened during the year? I blame the coordinator and the quarterback because if you're not going to look at Jared Pinckney and throw him the ball eight to ten times a game, you got a problem. Yeah, I don't know what it is. There's just been some programs over the years, and sometimes it's the quarterback that don't utilize tight ends well in the college game and it's just fascinating I, I won't get into it but I mean 
that that is a position where you just never know. You know, one of the greatest tight ends of all time, Antonio Gates, played zero college snaps. So you never know at that position. We've seen guys try to do it from basketball and and, and try to stick, but Pinkney's just an interesting one to me because the guy can play. He obviously mm-hmm. didn't run well, but again, as you said, Mel, I was thinking earlier in the year, second, third round pick. So when I saw him as an undrafted free agent, I'm like, are you kidding me? That guy didn't. That Crazy. guy didn't get drafted, but you cited yep. the stats. I mean, they, they never threw the ball his way. So good luck to him, obviously. Carolina Panthers, Mel. Derek Brown at the top. You love it. Jeremy Chin, who's definitely one of your guys. They get him. He's going to be a really interesting you know, player. We'll see how they use him. Beyond that, who's a sleeper here? Well, I think Chin could also maybe help him out of corner, but I think to that length thing, right. Chin's got the great length. Stanley Thomas Oliver from uh, Florida International has that length as well. Uh, tested pretty well, uh, had a good year. I think he's the kind of guy in the seventh round. Cornerbacks with skills and, and length uh, make sense late, and I would think, and obviously Bravion Roy. Nobody knows more about Bravion Roy than Matt Rule does, so he takes him in the sixth round out of Baylor. But I think uh, Stanley Thomas Oliver, the corner out of Florida International, um, would not surprise me at all if he made that football team. Tampa Bay Bucks get the Kirk Ferentz special, the physical freak, Tristan Wirfs in the first round. Good luck, kid. You got to guard a 43-year-old quarterback. Who after that, Mel, stands out as a sleeper in this Tampa Bay Bucks class? I'll tell you what, Keyshawn Vaughn didn't get any help. That Vanderbilt offense was just not getting it done. And it was, yeah. it, oh, keep in mind, all these guys went back. You remember Jared Pinckney, Kalaja Lipscomb, the two receiver tight end, and also running back Keyshawn Vaughn, formerly of Illinois, goes to Vanderbilt two years ago when they had Shermer at quarterback, Kyle Shermer, Pat Shermer's son, who was a, a, a good college quarterback, right? They were able to, to, to run the ball and, and throw the ball and do a lot of things and, and be an interesting football team. Keyshawn Vaughn had a, had a heck of a year. He runs hard. Uh, he's got a little enough wiggle and change of direction. I think he will be a nice pick there uh you know for them in the third round because like i said his stats were down for what it was two years ago that had nothing to do with him it had more to do with the talent around Keyshawn vaughn san francisco 49ers they obviously get the two first round picks uh, an extra one javon kinlon comes over after the trade with the colts is there a is there a sleeper down here i'll give a special shout out to the undrafted free agent matt fink out of notre dame but uh who else here maybe has a chance to stick, Mel, into, into a, in a bigger role? I think you look at the two, the late-round picks. Charlie Werner and Jawan Jennings are kind of tied together a little bit because they're both SEC guys. Both were guys that have good hands. Werner can block as well. Um, there were some things to like about him uh, at Georgia as a backup tight end probably. And obviously, you know, uh, George Kittle is the main entity there. Uh, but I think he can help out special teams-wise and certainly can block and he can give you, I think, a nice backup role for him. Juwan Jennings, another guy, contested catches. Quicker than he is fast. And I forget the 40 time. He plays quicker. He's got the, the, the size and the length. Uh, with his ability and how hard, which a hard worker, great character kid he is, I wouldn't bet against Werner and Jennings uh, being guys on offense that, uh, that Garoppolo's going to like. So uh, I'll go with the sixth and seventh round pick for the 49ers. Seattle Seahawks perplexed a lot of their fans early on by taking a guy you really like, Jordan Brooks. It's not the knock on the player, though I know you have him graded and higher than some. It was the question of, uh, where's our pass rusher? And I don't know if the board value really lined up, and obviously they really like Jordan Brooks, but they did get the pass rushers later, at least some raw material to work with. And then, man, I 
I, I, keep, I keep looking at Damian Lewis and thinking this guy's going to be a dude for them there, and they got him in the third round. Who else, Mel, kind of stands out here? I think DJ Dallas, a running back, former wide receiver. Uh, he had runs over 40 yards, several of those. Uh, I think people are under look at that 40 time again. It doesn't matter for a running back. It's quickness. And uh, he showed even uh, right. some game-breaking ability. So I think he and Freddie Swain. Freddie Swain can also help in the return game. Uh, I think uh, as, and maybe he's a fourth, fifth receiver. But I think D.J. Dallas in round four, those running backs we always see, that, yeah, where how did they get them there? Well, I think D.J. Dallas is going to be a guy, again, uh, you think about the quarterback situation at Miami. Uh, wasn't that strong? Uh, Derek King is there now, the transfer from Houston. So we'll see what he can do this year under center. But quarterback was a big issue that affected the running game because obviously they stacked the line of scrimmage. But he still had production. Uh, DJ Dallas didn't. I, I like the way the kid runs. So I'll go Dallas in the fourth round to Seattle as a guy to keep an eye on. Two teams left. We're into the West. The L.A. Rams. Terrell Lewis is an interesting name. Could plug in right away. Who else here, Mel, is a sleeper for the Rams? You know, I look at this offensive line. They didn't get anything until Tremaine Ankrum in the seventh. I think Tremaine Ankrum, who played tackle, will kick inside the guard. You know, he's got to make this team. They didn't, that was a shocker. They didn't draft any offensive linemen until the 250th pick with Tremaine Ankrum, who played on a team, played for the national championship, and won one a couple years ago and won one before that. So this kid's been on all the big games. He was a tackle, you know, with his lack of length, and obviously he's, he's going to be a guard. But I wouldn't bet against him. He's got to make the team. How can you not make the team when he didn't draft anybody else? But of the other guys, I think Bryson Hopkins, the tight end out of out of Purdue, uh, Brad Hopkins' son. Brad Hopkins was a great tackle at Illinois, first-round pick, had a great career uh, in the NFL. I think you look at, at Bryson Hopkins, if he can just be more consistent, he can stretch the deep middle. He's a big target. He's athletic. He's got length, but he drops some catchable balls. So you can't have the drops and be a fourth-round pick that's contributing. He's got to eliminate the drops, be more consistent, but he certainly, like I say, he can stretch the deep middle uh, if he is a guy who kind of becomes a more of a consistent performer out there. And by the way, you mentioned this, but Cam Akers, a running back who they drafted out of Florida State, it was you know he he didn't have the he didn't have the juice early in the season, but as the as the draft process wore on, his name kept coming up. And I'll tell you what, it's rare where you mention uh, rookies that that have actual fantasy value, but this running back depth chart is not completely settled. I mean, they took this guy for a reason, mm-hmm. broke Dalvin Cook's rookie uh, rushing record at Florida State. He is, as we like to say, a guy. So keep an eye on Cam Akers, Mel. He, he, he had a lot of juice, in it, and people were talking about it when he went. Yeah, he had to earn every inch of real estate. That offensive line, obviously, and that offense in Red general <laughs> uh, had issues. And, and Cam, a uh, yeah, former quarterback in high school, everybody wanted him. He had the big-time production early on. And, and uh, you know, like I say, he's got balance. Uh, he's quick. He's tough. Uh, and he can sneak through little cracks. And, and you don't know how he comes out the other end and, and still running. So like, I, like, I do like Cam Akers. Keep working on his skills, catching the football. He's got to keep working on that. But as a pure runner, uh, yeah, he can get the job done. Yeah, it's it's – it's a weird time when we're talking about really good Florida State Seminole players who are pretty anonymous. Cam Akers actually fit the bill, so <laughs> says a lot about the program, not a lot about Cam. All right, last team on the board, Arizona Cardinals. Isaiah Simmons was just sitting there, so that's where you rip up your uh, needs play and you just say, we're drafting Isaiah Simmons. Who else here, Mel? I, I know I got one. I like when you draft running backs late who don't fumble, so give me Eno Benjamin. Who else you got? 
Well, I will say this, but if, but for not taking uh, Jedrick Wills and taking Isaiah Simmons or not taking you know whoever it was you think could have should have been the pick, whether it's Tristan Wirfs or whoever, uh, Makai Becton, any of those guys, uh, Isaiah Simmons in the first, then you come back with Josh Jones in the third. That was fortunate to see a Josh Jones who could have been in the late first or early second. I don't think anybody would have argued and called it a reach. Get him at pick 72. So uh, they were fortunate. You get Simmons and you get the tackle because they needed help. Kyler Murray was sacked, what, 48 times, and he was sacked once every four dropbacks. Uh, they had to get better there, and Jones is going to be a key guy. But I'll go, I'm with you on Eno Benjamin. Uh, he learned that spin move from Ladanian Tomlinson. Uh, he can, he's, he's quick, he's a little jitterbug. Uh, he catches the ball. He had a ton of catches out of the backfield. Uh, you know, he's another guy that uh, you look at and you say, boy, seventh round? Uh, you know, I mean, this is a guy, it's, it's a steal. He's Because there's no way he's not, that Cliff Kingsbury is not going to say, boy, I can utilize this guy in my offense. Uh, Eno Benjamin is, uh, is a really good football player, and he's versatile. Uh, and like I said, uh, he, he's tough. He, he's got to frustrate defenders. It's hard to get a clean shot at him. You just can't do it. So I'm with you on Eno Benjamin in the seventh round. Well, we just banged through 32 teams. Not bad. About an hour and 10 minutes. And then you don't have to talk to me for like a week or something. This is great. Yeah, I mean, and we didn't get it. Hey, some of these undrafted free agents, you mentioned them, Chris. Like, check out yeah. some of those guys. These are your guys that would normally would have been, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh round picks. Some of these guys, the non-combine guys, we said would be hurt by the process. Some of these guys were. But uh, some of these teams were able to pick up, I think, maybe an extra two or three guys. Uh, maybe some of these teams, two, three guys extra that should have been maybe draft choices that weren't. So, uh, yeah, check out all the teams and who they took as undrafted free agents. And on those lists, you'll find some players. Yeah, it's amazing, Mel. People tend to forget that about 20% of the NFL, 15 to 20%, depending on the year it is, are these undrafted players. And, you know, you came up doing this when the, the draft was a lot more rounds. And by shortening the draft, you made it a little bit better for these guys. It's a little bit more efficient. Mm-hmm. You can say, you know what, I'm QB3 on this team uh, as a free agent, whereas if a team drafts me, I just might have to go through this process, get cut, and then start all over the place. So. Undrafted free agents. I mean, gosh, it's 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 a lot of the NFL. It's it's a lot of honestly. What's fascinating is that a lot of the best teams in the NFL, because they carry some big contracts, maybe big quarterback contracts, they're loaded with undrafted free agents. So yeah, it's definitely something to check out. Check out the depth charts. Have some fun. Those names like the Fink, the Jared Pinkney uh, that we talked about. These guys stick left and right every single year. And just a little note for our future uh, stuff we're going to be doing on uh, next Tuesday on ESPN.com and on ESPN Television. I will have next year's first big board, top 25 big board for next year's 2021 draft. That will also have up the top five players at each position uh, going into 2021. And that will all be up on ESPN.com next Tuesday, right in the morning, because I'm going to be doing get up by probably at 8 o'clock with Greeny. So all day Tuesday we'll be talking 2021 draft. And on ESPN.com that will be up early morning Tuesday. And I'm sure we'll do a podcast about that as well, Chris. You never really escape, Mel. We're on to we're on to we're on to Clemson and Ohio State quarterbacks. <laughs> it never yes, really. Yes, we ends. are. All right. Well, we miss you, Todd McShay. Uh, for yes, me, Chris Brown and Mel. That's first draft for this week. And uh, as Mel just mentioned, we'll get after it soon enough. It never really ends.